Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into today's questions about sports and faith. And uh, Michael Strahan had been drafted a year before I had been drafted. Wow. And, uh, and we, he was a left defensive end. I was a right offensive tackle. And so we battled every single day uh, wow. in practice. And it was, it was competitive and it was uh, intense. And now here's your hosts. Noah and Bjorn. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the 26th episode of The Sweat Room. My name is Noah Course, alongside my co-host Bjorn Webb. We are so honored and so blessed to have you today for a conversation with Scott Gregg. Scott is a former offensive lineman for the New York football giants, San Francisco 49ers, and finished his career with the New York Jets. He played for 11 years. He was a second-round draft pick, all-pro, 112 consecutive starts. He was team captain, and one of his teammates was Michael Strahan, as well as he blocked Michael Strahan. You're going to enjoy that conversation. And he's 6'8". He's not a small guy and has a 7-foot son. You're going to absolutely enjoy this conversation. He's a big guy with a gentle spirit. He leads well and just in and he's currently the athletic director at McNary High School in Oregon. So we're bringing this conversation all the way from Buffalo, New York to Oregon. And just as a reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. That will help us out a ton. And this podcast is growing very fast, and we love it. This podcast is not only for our listeners in Buffalo, New York. It is across the country and around the world, and we couldn't do it without you. And our, if you're new to our podcast, our motto is get it got it give it we're always in every phase of this always learning always teaching and always applying and this is one another great conversation where i highly encourage to get pen and paper and write some notes down because scott has some amazing things to say about just not only what he's learned from his professional career but what he's learning now and what god is teaching him during the season and so without further ado here's our conversation with scott Gregg. Well, we want to welcome to the podcast, Scott Gregg. Scott, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. So, Scott, you have you have quite the resume. Do you mind telling our listeners just maybe a quick summary of who you are and kind of just where, a little of your journey? Sure, you bet. So, uh, Scott Gregg, I grew up in a small community, Silverton, Oregon, um, graduated from Silverton High School, was a three-sport athlete, lettering in football, basketball, and track. After my uh, after high school, graduated from high school, I accepted a scholarship to play football at the University of Montana. Redshirted there and then played four years there. Um, and uh, after after that, after my senior year at the University of Montana, I was drafted in the second round by the New York Giants. Spent five years with the Giants, five years with the Niners, uh, finished up with one year with the Jets, and then I took a position as a head uh, football coach at my alma mater, Silverton High School, Mm. and was the head football coach there for four years and taught math. Um, At that point in time, I went on, uh, was invited to coach back at the University of Montana. I coached there for five years. under uh, uh, Mick Delaney, Robin Flugrad um, was there for, for five years, then Mick Delaney retired. And uh, um, at that point in time, when I was at the University of Montana, I was the assistant head coach and, and offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator. Um, new staff came in, which meant new coaches, and our, our kids 
uh, were uh, in school still and we, we didn't want to be moving around. So I took a position as a principal in Fort Benton, Montana. Many of your listeners will have to go to a, to Google to find Fort Benton, Montana. It's a small <laughs> and, town. And the co-host the here. Montana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we, uh, uh, I spent a year there as a principal and then uh, made our move back to the Willamette Valley uh, and, and the Silverton area where I grew up. I'm now um, the athletic director. I'm going into my fifth year as the athletic director of a, uh, uh, school uh, class A or six uh, A school in in Oregon, um, and uh, and I've co- helped a little bit with with coaching football as well uh, while I've been here. And I've got a wife that I've been married to for twenty five years. Tony, actually, we started dating in high school. Wow! Mm. Uh, and uh, I have a daughter that just graduated from Liberty. She's in youth ministry in Missoula, Montana with her uh, new husband, uh, who also is a graduate of Liberty and a Montana resident. So they're back in Missoula, um, kind of to their roots, and uh, they're starting life together. And I have a a seven-foot son uh, who graduated from high school. Uh, and get to give context ago. a little bit. You're you're not short yourself. How tall are you? No, no, six eight. Six, okay, eight. all right. <laughs> but he he, dwar- he dwarfs me, um, <laughs> and uh, and so he uh, our our son's twenty and and is uh, hanging out with us and and figuring out life and and doing that. So cool. blessed with a with a great family and a and a great career. Mm. Very cool. Well, thanks, Scott, for being with us. That's that's awesome. And um, to clarify, I think you were an offensive lineman. Is that correct? Yeah, I played offensive tackle, right tackle, right tackle. Um, cool. for for eleven years in the pros and and four years in in college. Very cool. That's awesome. So um, I've heard a lot about Montana here. Whether you you know college, coaching, whatever, all that stuff. Could you tell us what it was like to play and coach at the University of Montana? And then also maybe something that people should know about Montana. Yeah, uh, Montana is a is a special place. It um, it uh, uh, you know going to school there. Prior to me going uh, to accepting a scholarship there, I spent one weekend on a recruiting visit there, meeting the coach and meeting the uh, um, uh, the the community, and it was. Uh, just a, a special place. I knew that it was where I wanted to be and um, accepted a scholarship there. And then my career was, uh, my, my playing career there was uh, a, a, just a dream that, that came true. It's, it's hard to describe when, you know, you're coming out of high school and you grew up in Oregon. I grew up an Oregon State Beavers fan um, and, and was recruited by the Ducks and by the Beavers in the end, they offered me an opportunity to walk on. By the time I was a senior at Montana, the Ducks were in the Rose Bowl, and and we were playing for in the semifinals um, for a for a national championship uh, at the University of Montana. And I would not trade uh, a, a trip to the Rose Bowl over my my experience and career at Montana. Knowing everything now, I, w- I wouldn't go back and change anything. It was just mm-hmm. a special place, a special community. And then going back as a coach uh, was, was a lot of fun and, and uh, rewarding as well. What most people don't know, um, if they don't pay attention to FCS football, Montana is, uh, there's 
really good football that's played at the University of Montana. Wow. You know, we don't have the accolades necessarily as NDSU, North Dakota State University. But uh, for, for a while, we were in the semis year in, year out, the, the national championship year in, year out, winning several national championships. And we continue to remain competitive in the Big Sky Conference. And a lot of our kids, um, a lot of the players, myself included, have opportunities to play after college in, mm. in the pros. And th there's some, some great, great people um, that, that have made it to that level. Um, and uh, there's a community, even though I grew up in Oregon, that welcomes me every time I'm back in, in Montana. Oh, it's just, mm -hmm. it's a great, great place. And, and uh, it's a second home for me. And, and uh, I, I love uh, having it as a second, second home and second community for me. That's awesome. So Scott, you talked about how, how players from University of Montana get opportunities to play in the pros after that, like you did as well. Did you have any teammates or guys that you coached that also got that opportunity in the NFL? Yeah, there's there's a few that that we either recruited um, or uh, or that I coached specifically that had uh, opportunities to play. Some of them that that uh, are, are still playing, um, and it's it's a kind of a, a neat story to see um, how these these guys make it. Many of them are undrafted, um, go in as free agents and. Being in the pros for 11 years, knowing what how hard it is to make it, even as a draft pick, on the on the final 53-man roster, and we've got several guys that have found a way, found a niche um, uh, on special teams, and and uh, and found a way. One of the most uh, recent uh, guys that we had a chance to coach is Brock Coyle, who played in the league for five or six years as a middle linebacker, was considered a captain with the Seahawks and then went on and had a great career, uh, with San Francisco. Um, and, wow. and that's just one, uh, Tremaine Johnson continues to be a, a cornerback in the league and, uh, just so other names that, that have had opportunities to play a little or a lot, um, and are doing some neat things outside of, of the NFL as well. Mm. So don't sleep on Montana. Don't sleep. No, on do not. No, <laughs> no. One of the best uh, things in college was, my my red shirt year going back to the oregon state and beating oregon state in corvallis oh, as that's a one double a school um i'm sure that felt great great yeah <laughs> so for you what was your transition from montana to the nfl and i guess what were some of your favorite memories from the nfl as well when you played sure yeah i i uh transitioned from college into the nfl i had after uh, a great career in, in college, had an opportunity to play in the Senior Bowl and the East-West Shrine game. In the Senior Bowl, I was coached by the New York Giants staff. Um, wow. And uh, so I, they had a, a chance to interact with me. At that point in time, the only question mark is, is how is Scott going to play against the Division One, Michigan, Stanford, Notre Dames of the world, because I'd been at Montana. And I had a chance to not only compete against those folks, but compete for a spot wow. um, it, uh, on the, you know, starting for in the in these all-star games and really, really played well in those games and represented well. And uh, that bumped my draft uh, uh, stock up uh, considerably, ended up being drafted by the Giants. And I think it was, had a lot to do with my opportunity to, 
have an on-the-job interview at the Senior Bowl with them, basically. What round and, did you uh, get drafted? What's that? What round did you get drafted? Second round. Second nice. round. So it was, yeah, it, it was, it was, uh, that, that, uh, experience was, uh, crazy and a long story in and of itself, but mm -hmm. then went on to the pros and, you know, spent my first five years, uh, at, at, uh, the New York giants and, uh, Michael Strahan had been drafted a year before I had been drafted. Wow. And, uh, and we, he was a left defensive end. I was a right offensive tackle. And so we battled every single day um, wow. in practice and it was, it was competitive and it was uh, intense. And um, uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for, for, uh, for Michael. He, I, I, there's very few people that I've been around that trained as hard as he did. Mm. Jerry Rice being one of them. You just look at the, the folks that, that uh, reached the top of their game and it was, had a lot to do. Bryant Young, with with their training regiment what stuck um, out with strahan uh well i mean we would we would be doing uh daily doubles um and he would come in from practice um from albany new york where it's you know 100 percent humidity and <laughs> and and 90 degrees and guys are um you know are, are cramping up because they're dehydrated and and michael would work out he'd, he'd train uh, practice in uh in like a uh, 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 neoprene, um, like a uh, diving suit type of thing. Oh, um, and then he would jump on a treadmill and put the incline to 10 and do interval sprints after practices. Wow. And, and wow. my, my first couple years in the league, I was just trying to survive. You know, I, I would get done with practice and I'd go, I'd go to back to the dorm and sleep. <laughs> and this guy's jumping on a treadmill in between practices. Wow. Um, and I pride myself in, in, in working pretty hard. And uh, he, he, he just, he is, he's was, was a, was a great player and, and we competed, which leads me to probably the, my, the signature uh, time in my career where everything was, uh, you know, our team, uh, when I went, went to the Niners, our team was successful. I was successful and we, and we had, uh, um, some, some good runs the, in 2001, uh, early in the season, of course we had, uh, nine 11 trade trade centers, um, uh, uh, terrorist attack. And, uh, we were scheduled to play, um, the New York jets in a, in a Thursday night type of, or not a Thursday night, a Sunday game that was either delayed or we ended up playing them in mid September after the, after the league took a week off, we played the jets, uh, in giant stadium, uh, and was a, we were able to win the game, but just the experience of the patriotism and a, and a country coming together, mm. um, is, you know, it, you contrast it to wh where we're at today, and and it was um, it was it was it was a special moment for our for our country to come together. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, then fast forward, we we won the game, and and uh, that that made it as special as well. The following year, uh, we opened up against the Giants on a Thursday night, um, just prior to the anniversary of, of 9/11, and so that was the focus of the week leading up to it. And uh, it was against the team that I that I had just left two years prior, the New York Giants. And uh, 
we uh, it was an intense game. I was matched up against the guy I practice against every single day, and I didn't do it on my own. That's for sure. I had lots of help from from my fullback and my and my guard and 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 uh, a quick a quick pass from our quarterback. But <laughs> was able to was able to uh, uh, us as a team was able to hold him without any sacks. He would go on that year to to break the sack record, wow. but didn't get any in that game. Not in um, that game. No, that's game. right. <laughs> that's and, awesome. and we won the game uh, in their place. And then at the end of the season, we had won our um, division, our our conference, and 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 they. So we were in a wild card game against the Giants, and uh, we were down three touchdowns uh, to the Giants, and came back down three touchdowns in the third quarter, and came back and won the game. Mm. Um, and again. Held Strahan without any sacks. So beautiful. Let's uh, go. Uh, that year, I was I was named an All Pro, um, and uh, so it, a lot of things happened in that in that season that were special for me. Um, uh, but but overall, uh, I look at the eleven years that I had an opportunity to play. Um, I was I I started in 112 consecutive games wow. from the Ooh. from the middle of my time at. Uh, New York to all, almost my entire time with the, with the Niners, and then able to finish up with uh, with a strong finish at, with the Jets, uh, starting uh, the the tail end of that uh, season as well. So it, it was uh, many special moments um, uh, to look back on. Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. So Scott, one one quick question is: Where do your loyalties lie now? for an NFL team? Is there one that you played for or team close to home or like, who do you root for now when you watch the NFL? Sure. You know, I, I, when I, in proximity to my retirement, I would root for the guys that I played with. Mm. Um, and so as they were moving around the country and probably more, more often than not, I'd be rooting for the Niners just because most of the guys that I played with were still on that team. Um, but you know, as they bounced around and, and I would root for those, those individuals, I, you know, I, I'm torn. I, uh, I had most of my success with the Niners. And so it's easy to root for them and, and uh, hope they do well. Um, but you look back at the, the tradition, um, with the, with the Mara family and the New York giants and the way they run the organization. Um, I have no qualms about, being having any association with 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 the Giants, they're, they're just a class act, and mm. and they do the right things. I went back a couple years ago uh, for a mission trip in New York, and and the chaplain for the Giants, uh, George McGovern, gave me a, a tour of their new facilities. And uh, John Mara came up to me and had a five minute conversation, called me by name, had no idea I was going to be there, and uh, um, and then I went around and everyone in the front office it felt like were the same people that I was around 20 years prior. Mm. And, and that's, and that's, uh, I don't think you could see that anywhere in the league that there's so much turnover, um, around, around the league, but the giants have, it's a really a family organization that have, and, and the Tish family as well. It's just a, a neat organization and, and have a tremendous amount of pride in having an association with them. 
That's so cool. Yeah, I didn't I didn't quite know that. So that's really cool to to really hear that about the Giants organization. So Scott, yeah. for you, um, we know you played in the NFL for eleven years. You had a great success, great great career. What was it like transitioning out of the NFL after your last year when you played for the Jets? I believe you said. What was it like transitioning out of that? You know, I came to a point where um, it was likely that our um, that I, I, I could continue playing, um, but it would be uh, it would probably be a year here and a year there and a year and moving around. At the time, we were in the, on Long Island, um, living in a in a two bedroom apartment with my wife and our two kids. Um, she was was homeschooling them, and and uh, it. It, it just seemed like the right time um, to, to consider uh, what, what I'd be doing after, after the NFL. About that time that, that uh, I was considering what, uh, NF, or what my life looked like or our life uh, together looked like after the NFL, I got an email uh, stating that there was a position opening at my alma mater as a coach. Um, and I had never considered being a coach ever. I, 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 prided myself in being the first uh, player on, on the facilities as a pro mm. and, and one of the last ones to leave. I just, I, I felt it. But every year or every day when I got there, all the coaches' cars were there. And when I left, all the coaches' cars were there. And I was like, I do not want to be uh, <laughs> that, uh, that spending that much time coaching. Anyway, the more I thought about it and the more I had uh, seeing the impact a high school coach has in the lives of young men, I thought it was, a, it was a, actually an awesome opportunity. And so I interviewed for the position, was, was named the head coach at Silverton, and, wow. and really uh, just jumped right into the next thing uh, without, without much thought um, to it. And uh, um, that, I think that helped uh, my transition a lot. I, I think that had I not had a plan after the pros or had something to move into it might have been a little harder to transition um but uh you know with the support of my wife and the counsel of my agent and 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 special people around me um it, it really it that transition uh, was a smooth one and it's launched me into the into this career now where where i um focus and and continue to learn about uh transformational leadership and uh, and trying to instill and, and support and and uh, and serve our, our coaches here at McNary, mm. um, and so that it 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 was a, it wasn't an easy decision, mm. uh, but I, I feel really good about the decision that I made, and uh, very few people have that opportunity. I would say less than one percent probably have the opportunity to say, you know what, I've had enough, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do something differently. I think now that you know we've got more information about concussions, I think others are making decisions prior to um, to a season ending or a career ending injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're making those decisions based on on uh, more information that we have, which which I um, actually uh, respect and, and think it's a good idea. Wow, mm-hmm. yeah. So for you, you talked about your transition out of the NFL. Why do you think it is so hard? for just NFL players, pro athletes to move on from their profession? You know, I, I think I look at uh, the most, most athletes, I think, are, are driven, highly competitive. 
they want to reach the pin pinnacle of whatever that is. Sure. Um, and uh, in, in that process, maybe not to start off with, but certainly as you uh, can be wrapped up solely in, in your uh, position as an athlete or your position as someone who is a great athlete. Hmm. And other things become either less important or less of a focus as to who you are and, and, what, and what got you there. And it's not that... That in and of itself isn't bad for sure, but when your only identity and you lose you lose sight or lose uh, lose other identities, maybe even your foundation as a believer in Christ and um, uh, and and that being being your true identity and that lens to uh, look at life and things, um, transition can be really really hard because that identity is gone uh, as a mm -hmm. professional athlete. Once you leave the field, you know, uh, some very, very few have an identity that sticks with them like a Michael Strahan, who has the ability to do other things um, after his career. Uh, but, you know, he will always be known as that, that guy that was a really good football player too. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he's got an opportunity to continue in, in that light. But, but most of us don't. And most of us struggle uh, with that transition. Mm. And, um, you know, there, there are times when I, I wonder, did I get out too soon or did that? But again, um, having a foundation in Christ and a strong group of uh, counsel around me um, really helped me in that transition and transition well. Plus, I knew the facts. I'd been involved in a ministry that, that saw... Uh, people not transitioning well, and they equip me, uh, Pro Athlete Outreach, uh, Christian Ministry, equip me in relationships, in finances, in, in discipleship, uh, in ways that help me be successful in that transition. So when you're aware, just like when you're playing a game, when you're aware of what the opponent is or what the challenge is ahead of you, then you can kind of uh, uh, strategically prepare for what that transition looks like. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that having uh, something to jump into right away and put all of my effort and energy into that next thing, which was coaching and teaching, um, I didn't really give myself much time to think about what life was like as an as a NFL uh, pro because I, I had to get a teaching certificate to, to, to add to my math degree. Um, I had to learn how to coach. I, I knew how to play, but didn't know how much about coaching. Um, and so all those things, uh, uh, my focus went into that. And again, with a foundation in Christ, you're going to do those things to the best of your ability, to his glory. Um, it, uh, it, it just is in a different different way. And I think that that's probably the key of, of, of our identity and, and how well we transition. Mm. That's, that's so good, Scott. And you've talked a lot about you know, having your identity being Christ and that is really what helped you transition and how maybe it was a little bit easier for you because you had that strong foothold, you had that strong, you know, sort of, um, you know, backing and foundation. So from college to pro to now, what has God taught you during those seasons about yourself, about others? Um, and what is he still teaching you now to this day? Yeah, great, great question. You know, I, um, I think um, early in my career, I grew up in a uh, I grew up in a Christian home. went to went to church every Sunday, 
um, got was was a part of a denomination that uh, early in my adolescence uh, I learned about who God was. I learned about uh, His love for me. I learned about the sacrifice that Christ made, and I learned about you know uh, uh, entrusting in Him. Um, uh, an eternal life and an eternal relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, but, but hadn't really tied that to any, um, connection as far as responsibility. Um, and so early on through, through high school and then early in my college career, uh, you know, God was in a box for me. Um, it was something that, that I, that I believed to be true. Uh, but, if you looked at my actions early in my college career, uh, they wouldn't align with, with what, what God envisioned for my life or the will for my life. And, uh, uh it, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible, but sin is sin. Right. And, and, uh, uh, uh early in my, or uh, between my sophomore and junior year, a former teammate kind of called me on that, uh, invited me to a Bible study and, and we started, uh, uh, jumping into God's word and, he started asking me questions related to that alignment of what I was doing and what I professed to believe and, and what, where my trust was. And, and that challenge was so great, uh, that, that, uh, he, he, um, he, he challenged me in a way that made me consider and learn that God equips those, um, equip, equips us to, to be a witness to him through, through, a multitude of things mm. uh, in our interaction with our friends and how we treat our girlfriend or uh, uh, how we, how we respond to adversity, um, what we say and what we do um, uh, at, in the midst of success and in the midst of defeat. Um, and uh, at that point in time, probably one of the greatest things was that, that I learned at that time is, is that, God had given me a platform and gives each of us a platform and and we have to continue to learn and grow how to maximize that platform for his glory, not only for others to know Christ and follow Christ, but also for us to grow deeper and closer to Christ as well. And so, you know, that, that is what I learned at that point in time and then being surrounded by people uh, in my life that have continued to pour into me. Um, you know, George McGovern, the chaplain for the Giants, continue to have a, a strong relationship uh, with him. He actually married our daughter in December. Um, oh. uh, and, and the way that God has weaved him in and out of my life over the last 20 years has is, is been special. And, and uh, I, I consider him a, a dear friend. Um, we, it, it, it continues, um, that, that relationship continues. Um, and then, and then other people, uh, surround, you know, investing in me. And then at some point in time, uh, uh, investing in others, Roman Oban, um, was a, a third or fourth round pick for the giants a couple years after me. He's now a leader, um, in, uh, in, in the NFL, um, as part of player development there. Um, but he was facing some of the same challenges of aligning faith with action, uh, mm-hmm. early in his career. 
and being able to speak into his life and see what he's done as far as transitioning and moving into a life that um, honoring to God and, and, and just the testimony he has um, is great. And so that, that ability as a player to invest in other people and then moving that into coaching, you know, uh, especially in, in a public setting, in, in a public school, your testimony um it doesn't look di- doesn't look different um for sure um, we, we're still called to serve and love and 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 build up others um and and uh we, we can do that uh without necessarily mentioning what the motivation behind that but it's known um and and it's it gives me an opportunity to invest in, in those folks lives and, and and be a part of that and then to see that in our kids, in my in my kids, their love for Christ and their and their desire to 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 reach and use their platform mm-hmm. in, in the way God has gifted them um, is is the way that He continues to to speak into my life and, and grow me. Thank, thanks so much for sharing that, Scott. I know for for us, we we ha- we've had George McGovern on the podcast, and he is just such a seems just like a such a genuine guy, and I'm just so glad that you guys have just a solid relationship and he even got to do something like marry your daughter. I mean, that's so cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I also love that, you know, with a chaplain in the NFL, like their reach doesn't stop when a player leaves their program where the relationships that they can build with players, staff, coaches, whatever it's, you know, you really see some of the effect of that eternal impact that God can have through them and through that position, um, which I think is probably a huge encouragement for him and just a position where, you know, sometimes I'm sure he has thoughts of, you know, okay, am I really making a difference? Like, is this impacting people? But then to have some of that re-encouragement by like, okay, well, here's Scott. This is how I've impacted his life. This is how, okay, now we're great friends. Like it's gone from, you know, maybe I was the chaplain when he was here and he was a player, but now we're, we're colleagues, we're friends. I get to, you know, officiate his daughter's wedding. That's so cool. And, and I just, I love that because it helps paint a picture for me. And this is something you've talked about of just, you know, you recognizing what your platform was. Mm-hmm. And for you, your platform was you were an NFL player. You had knowledge about the, the sport of football. So you could then coach and, you know, you're an athletic director now. And sort of that's the platform that God has given you with this ability to play football. Well, with George, the platform's a little different where, you know, he's in that platform as the chaplain. With me, my platform's a little different. And that just is, for me, it's just such a beautiful picture of the body of Christ of we're all different. We all have our own gifts and abilities. We can all reach people, but oftentimes the people that I can reach are not the people that you, Scott Gregg, can reach. And those are different people than the people that George McGovern can reach. And that's why it's such a beautiful family. We all work together. We're all on the same team. Like God has invited all of us to join him in his mission to our hurting world. And he's invited us all to take different roles. And I often look at, um, Oh, the great evangelist. I'm blanking on his name. Billy Graham. Billy Graham. I think of Billy Graham and I always think like, Oh, Billy Graham reached millions of people like such a great man, yada, yada, yada. Well, those millions of people that Billy Graham reached in the way that he did I could not have reached those people, but say I reach maybe one or two people and have an impact on their life, no matter how great or how small, those were two people that Billy Graham could not have impacted. 
And that's how Billy Graham and I, you know, we're on the same team. And so I, just, I love that when you talk about that is you realized what your platform was and how you could use that to serve Christ. And so talking about your platform, you're now coach, athletic director, what sort of made you, you know, want to do that? And also, how have you seen your leadership grow from being a player um, that, you know, was on a team to now being a leader of maybe, you know, an organization where you're leading other coaches and people within your organization? You know, I think um, the, the leadership is similar, but different. You know, my, my, my leadership philosophy has evolved uh, as I've transitioned in from a player um, to a coach. Um, but it also has helped me uh, grow other leaders. You know, when you're a coach and you're electing captains and taking them through the process and, and the, the image that the world gives or the perception the world gives is that leadership is, is uh, something that, that uh, you inherit maybe uh, as you grow from a sophomore to a junior to a senior. And, and uh, maybe it's because you're really talented and maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's a combination of those things that, that, uh, the world identifies those as leaders. Certainly we know God doesn't look at leaders that way uh, in no. who he picks as leaders. Um, but I think that that, that for me is, is that, that evolution as well is, is instilling in kids, instilling uh, in, in uh, the staff that I, that I work with uh, here, instilling in coaches is that leadership is, is a huge responsibility and it starts and ends with with uh, sacrifice of yourself mm. and your own interests, and and serving those around you, and uh, that's a hard concept to wrap your mind around. Mm. Uh, even for uh, a believer, is it's it's strong because we're all uh, by by nature we're selfish, and and we want to see we want to be successful ourselves, and we want to put most of that energy into our own self and our own accolades. Um, but when we invest in others and, and, and work to build them up and see them as an extension of our leadership, um, uh, it really speaks to what you're talking about too, is, you know, you know, we already know, I didn't know you a week ago. Right. And, and uh, you've had an interaction with George and George has deeply impacted me, but God's wo woven all those things together mm. for, uh, will may reach one person might reach 10 people might reach thousands millions of people we don't know mm. but um it, it that that um community of believers serving others investing into others it is such power that that until you have experienced that power mm. um of christ not self-power but power of christ and how that how that works for God's good, it is. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how I would lead any other way, and mm -hmm. how I would do things other another way. Um, and uh, that's uh, it, it's it, it's 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 where, where I've been, and and how, and how I how I choose to try to lead and, and grow in that leadership too. I'm still I'm still taking leadership classes. I'm still trying to grow and <laughs> be a better leader myself so that I can instill those and help others be great leaders too. That's so good. And, and I know I, I'm glad you, you touched on that 
too. And, and Bjorn, how you're talking about Billy Graham as he was the great evangelist. And one of my, one of our, my favorite author, authors that Bjorn and I were going through a book together, it's The Logic of God by Ravi Zacharias. And in, in that book, he talks about how God is the grand weaver mm. and how he weaves all things together. So I love how, how you talked about that. It's, I love these kingdom connections and you never know whether it's relationships or just things you're going through, like how God's going to use that. Um, yeah. and, and you're a testimony to that as well as Bjorn. And I. It, it's cool to see how God works through that. So speaking of how God is working through things, how are you handling this pandemic as an athletic director with your players, <laughs> your staff, and just other people that are in your program? Yeah, it, it, it's a challenging, challenging times that we're in, um, you know, with, with a constant uh, change in, in, in uh, you know, expectations or formats or structures or mandates that, that continue to evolve and change. And, you know, uh, you add to that extreme views on the left and right as to what the right approach is mm. and, and not knowing exactly where that truth is. Very um, and, right and realizing, now. you know, also that this this uh, pandemic, this virus, impacts everyone, um, and it has brought to light other challenges and other things that are going on in our world that kind of might get pushed to the back burner because there isn't things that that highlight struggle, and and uh, so all of those all of those things um, uh, make it make it make it make it challenging to lead for sure make it challenging to understand how to guide others when when you're learning yourself where that's at um, i've tried to uh like um like my transition out of football most athletes don't get to choose when they're done playing mm. um, they're either uh, found not to be good enough and don't make the team anymore but more often than not they're injured and they're done mm. and uh, most don't have to face that reality until it happens. We're all cognizant that that's going to happen at some point in time, and, and, and we choose to play anyway, knowing the inherent risk of what we're doing. But uh, this virus is similar or almost identical in that same way uh, in that it shows for many of us that their senior season – if I was a if I was a softball player, a senior on a on a, a high school base a softball team, that I didn't have a senior season, mm. and it was no fault of my own, but it it has and and that 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 is a reality that many don't have to face all at once. Like a group of people don't necessarily have to face that that reality. You know, you might lose a championship game, but you made it to the championship game, or your season might be over, but you had a chance to participate in that. Well, that was that was that was chosen for you, um, or or you you didn't have any control over that, and that's a reality that that we all live in. But I think many of us, probably myself included, kind of push that back and, and don't really think about that. About you know this this thing could be over tomorrow um, with an injury or whatever um and and i think that us the same way that i transitioned well out of out of the nfl surrounding yourself with good counsel knowing what your identity is knowing that that you were created for something much more than that and even in spite or in the midst of tragedy and a pandemic 
that we still have a responsibility to, to shine the light of Christ in, in those situations and be a light in, uh, in, a, in what can be a dark and divisive world right now. Mm. And uh, um, my hope is, and, and what, I, what I strive to do is, is to, to live in that balance of being true to, to who God has called me to be, but also not be someone that's on either side of that divisiveness, because that's, that's not where I don't believe that's where God's called me to be. Mm. Um, and uh, it's hard when, when, as a leader, you might not agree with the direction that uh, the, 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 the Department of Education is going. You might not agree with what some of the doctors are saying. You might not agree mm. with, uh, you know, with, with things. But you have to, uh, you know, you're under their authority. And so you need to live under that authority and still at the same time uh, glorify Christ and live in a way that, that he's called us to, which is hard, <laughs> right? And, and especially in, in a public setting, um, uh, we have to do that um, and, and, and do it in a way that, that uh, uh, builds up people that, that don't have that foundation. Um, and, 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 and counsel folks and, and encourage folks um, that don't have that. Um, it is, it, uh, it's a huge responsibility for us as believers, but I think it's one that, that we all need to shoulder and move forward in this. Um, I, you know, when, when we talk about um, uh, racial uh, injustice and, and the things that are, that are, that are dividing our, our country, as a as a leader and a white male, I, I feel really really important that I that I take a stance of empathy and a stance of, of listening, and a responsibility to lead in a way that that brings people together, um, uh, and not and not isolate or or divide those. Mm. That, that's so good, Scott. Would you mind just sharing a little bit of what that what that kind of practically looks like for you in the role you're in um, with what's been going on over the past few months um, and everything like, yeah, what, is, what does that kind of practically look like for you? Well, you know, I, I look at, um, you know, the guidelines for us opening up school and the guidelines for us to get back to sports. Um, those have, the, the, we've had four or five iterations that have come down either th through our athletic association, Oregon state Act athletic association or uh, Oregon department of education or the governor's office, um, or our school district. So there's four uh, authority, authoritative organizations above McNary High School. And then I've got my principal who's above me. Um, and, and when each of those institutions, not so much my principal, but each of those other institutions, having four or five iterations of what that looks like as, as, the panda, as we learn more and do more and different things happen, the ability to take all that in, figure out how that impacts athletics or how that impacts our staff coming back or how that impacts students coming back and working with those challenges and not having all the information and still trying to lead well um, is, I think, is, is the practical. I mean, that, that, is, that is a huge challenge for us right now, uh, but we have to be 
we, we have to be uh, confident, assured, calm um, uh, in those situations because as we step down, the, the anxiety level for good reason uh, of our teachers uh, is ratcheted up because they're one step away from having all the information and then our and then our parents and our students are another step, and so they're they're trying to weave through that. So at any level, if you've got someone that isn't sure or isn't confident or isn't positive, in that we we can get in a, in a bad space really really fast. And so practically, it's 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 being not not self confident but confident in in, in Christ, uh, whether that's stated or not. Um, confidence or, or, or um, peace, you know, that transcends all understanding, having that peace about you, um, try, trying to do that to the best of your ability with God's help, praying for wisdom, praying for guidance, mm-hmm. praying, praying uh, for the ability to, to lead well. That's what that practically looks like now. Praying for our leaders, those, those folks in leadership above us that we mentioned, um, whether you agree with them or not, um, we need to be praying for them and praying that they, they have the, 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 uh, the wisdom and the guidance um, to, to lead well and make decisions for the right reasons. Um, and, and God will honor those prayers. I believe that. Mm, that that's so good. Yeah. Thank, thanks for sharing, Scott. I just, I'm always fascinated to hear, you know, what, what leaders are doing in this time. And I know every state's different. Every school district's different. Um, but the one thing that is constant between all of those is who Christ is and who you are as a child of God. And, and that's right. the same with all the other leaders. So I love that, you know, that's where you start with your leadership is, okay, this is who God has created me to be. And that gives me peace. And right. from there, that peace can hopefully rub off of me onto those around me. And we as a staff can feel peace in this time where there's no peace anywhere else in the world. So I, I love hearing that. I think that's a fantastic perspective. Um, and yeah, I, I really will be praying for you and your school that you guys have a, a great school year. Have you guys started classes yet or do those start soon? No, our teachers uh, come in a week from now and, okay. and then two weeks kind of to get uh, familiar with a new system, a new online system uh, to be teaching our kids distantly um, for, for at least nine weeks and probably longer than that. Um, and, then our, and then our kids come to school come to school uh they start school uh september 14th so we've got a couple weeks here to continue to refine and 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 uh get ready for for uh kids to start school that's so good cool well scott as we close here are there any just final closing remarks um for our listeners that you would have no i i I really appreciate you guys uh inviting me to be on the show and and uh, uh, honor the work, and and uh, and 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 hope you guys uh, continue to to reach those and and share uh, great great stories. You know, to, to hear about you know those like George McGovern and those being able to hear their stories. And I, I think it's I think it's a great time uh, for us to hear about what God's doing around the world and how He's connecting us all. I think that's awesome. So. Kudos to you guys. Thank you for an opportunity to, to spend some time with you. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. Thanks for being with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Scott, for joining us. Bjorn, what were some of your thoughts of the conversation today? 
Yeah, I I love this conversation. It was so fun talking to Scott and getting to hear some perspective of being an NFL athlete and also what life is like for an NFL athlete that has been successful after they retire from the NFL. Um, So I, I loved just throughout the whole conversation, I just kept hearing this posture of I am a child of God and from that, that dictates what I do and who I am. You know, right. he talked about how, like, you know, his identity. He, he he played football, but that's not who he is. Right. He's an athletic director, but that's not who he is. He's, you know, a father, mm-hmm. but that's not who he is. All of those make up who he is, but at the end of the day, who he is is a child of God. And from that, everything else sort of comes. And I just, I love that posture where it's, you know, he just, everything he did, there was that posture of, I am a child of God. Absolutely. And from that, you can sort of see just the, you know, humility and things that come from there. And you can sort of see and sense this peace that he had about himself. And I'm sure that translates into his leadership in the athletic department and other things. So that that, that was just like one sort of, I guess, reflection I had from that. What, what about you, Noah? Yeah. First off, I, I loved how it started, too. And just hearing a little about his story mm. um, and he is not a small guy. He's, he's a big six, dude. He's a big dude, and he's he was a beast. Yeah, he was a beast. He had 112 consecutive starts. Mm-hmm. He he was Mr. Iron Man himself. Yeah, and I loved when he was talking about just with Michael Strahan. You know, he'd compete with them, and then once once he went to the 49ers, they really had to compete against each other. Yeah, and he didn't give up a sack. I think that's, that's pretty crazy. crazy. Well, and Michael Strahan is not a small man himself. No, and Michael Strahan is also you know one of the great pass rushers of all time. Absolutely. You know, what, what, he played like 15 years with the Giants or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, so that shows how good Scott was. Too. Yeah, absolutely. And handling Strahan, that is not an easy no, task. No, definitely not. Kudos to you, Scott. But yeah, I loved how once we got to the point, kind of like you were saying, just with the identity piece mm. um, and just how he was talking about this transition from the NFL, he just went straight to coaching mm. and he said that kept him busy. Um, and I thought that was so good. And then when we were talking about, when you talked about Bjorn, just talk, mentioned Billy Graham a little bit. Um, I, I just love that aspect too because um, I think God uses so many different things and, he, and eventually Scott talked about how God weaves everything together um, and, and I love that because we we don't know how God is going to use even a conversation like this mm-hmm. or something that happens to us down the road. You know, we, we never know what, how, what, how God is working behind the scenes. Yeah, absolutely. It makes me think too, so right now in my devotional reading, I'm reading through Esther okay. and not once is God mentioned in there mm. but God is always he's behind the curtain he's always working mm. and I think that's something for for me that that came to mind today yeah. in this conversation God's always working even behind right, the scenes right no I I love that that's so good and and I loved how and you mentioned you know Michael Strahan and how like oh he didn't give up a sack and all that stuff right but I loved it when he talked about that if you recognized it wasn't I didn't give up a sack to Michael Strahan. He was like, you know, myself with the help of my fullback. Right. And the guys next to me on the O-line and my quarterback getting the ball out of his hands early allowed us, us, totally. to stop Michael Strahan. And I think of that that posture of us. Mm, the you know, we. The we. The 
it's not about him and he recognizes that you know and that's you know him as the athletic director at his high school it's not about him it's about the us it's about the community it's about right. those varsity girls softball players that didn't get to finish their season mm. like it's about them it's about his coaches it's not about him and hearing him talk about that when he was with the giants like man he got that when he was playing the nfl right. and if i if i can learn that lesson because you know God knows that I need to learn that lesson that it's, it's not, it's not me. It's, you know, it's God that works through me and it's God that works through us right. and through myself with the community of people around me that can really do good. Mm. Um, man, that's just like, that can, that can be a powerful sort of perspective change mm. to have that. And he is just such a humble guy. Mm. So I, I just really love that about him. And he's an offensive lineman. That's not a glory position, Mm-mm. but he is putting in the hard work, the grunt, the labor, all of it. Like, yeah, I don't know. That was just such a great conversation. So thank you so much for joining us, Scott. And next week, you're not going to want to miss this conversation as we are interviewing another former NFL offensive lineman, Justin Hartwig. Not only does he have the best beard that I've ever seen, but he won Super Bowl 43 with with the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Arizona Cardinals. Here's an excerpt. So I went went down a lot of different paths, dug into a lot of things, and it and it wasn't until kind of my life, my life, um, kind of those th- those all those things failed me. Um, it, it wasn't until really after the Super Bowl I, I reached that pinnacle that pinnacle of worldly success and couple that with some things going on in my personal life where uh, I just kind of bottomed out and that, and that's really where God met me. Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room Sports and Faith Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. And if you want to connect with us and see what God is doing through other of our ministries and never miss an episode, you can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Watermark Sports and on Twitter at Sweat Room Pod. Just remember, until next time, get it, got it, and give it. Thanks for listening to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. 